is Rachel. Hey, this is Spencer. And this is Neon Boots, the 90s country music podcast. And today we have special guest, Britt Spruill. Did I say it right? <laughs> yes, Rachel. <laughs> yes. I get in my head sometimes. No, it's okay. Thanks. But Britt is a comedian and a producer of Eyes Up Here, so she's BFF and works a lot with Aaron Terry, who we've had on a previous episode. Whose episode do you think is going to be better, yours or Aaron's? Aaron's, because she's amazing, <laughs> and I love her. Aw. <laughs> well, shit, let's turn this off okay. and just... So, Pack it up. Bye. It was nice having you, Britt. Oh. <laughs> oh, you make me laugh. You I'll, are a comedian. I'll make this special. Am I am I the first African American lady guest? Yes. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Yay, so I'm the Michelle Obama of this podcast. You are. <laughs> yes. My book Becoming. <laughs> with spelled with two M's because I can't copyright in French. So no, no, becoming. No. <laughs> We'll be out soon. (laughs) (laughs) And Spencer will add that to his uh, book club reading list. Oh, yeah. With all of the other ridiculous books you've been reading. Oh, wow. Why are you assuming her book is going to be ridiculous? Um, Because Britt's going to be the one writing it. it, Okay. And it's Becoming with two M's. Yes. Okay. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It will be published under parody law, but it will be my real life. That's fine. (laughs) I I can't wait to read it. (laughs) So, Britt, tell us a little bit about your life history, particularly where 90s country music comes into play, since that's what we're supposed to talk about today. Okay. So, I was born... Poor black child. No. <laughs> I was born. Now you're just gonna like start reciting the lyrics of Reba McIntyre's fancy. No. <laughs> I was I was born uh, in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, and my first uh, CD that I bought in 1999 was Backstreet Boys Millennium, and. I was, like, the only person that I knew that looked like me that listened to white people music is mm-hmm. what everyone called it. And so I, could, I would hear it on music videos and, and shit, and I wasn't, like, really big into it, but I got it. And also now, how it comes to my life is where a lot of drag queens love lip-syncing to 90s country music. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I love drag queens, and I love drag performance. So that's how I hear most of it now. And okay. My song comes into play. <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to talk about your your song in a little bit that you chose as a Winona song. But I, I want to ask about so your Backstreet Boys over in sync. Okay, which Brit are you asking? Are you asking twenty seven year old Brit? Are you asking nine year old Brit? Um. <laughs> so I assume the answers are different. Yes. Okay. So okay. give us the rundown on both. <laughs> okay. So nine years old Brit would have said in sync. All the way, Justin was my boyfriend, nobody oh, yeah. else's boyfriend. Move out, Jessica. Like, it's me. <laughs> um, the poster I had in my room the longest time was just this picture of Justin Timberlake in this white tank top. And I think there was a calendar at the bottom. I don't know. But, like, I, I just loved NSYNC. Now, I say Backstreet Boys. Okay. Because... They, I think, have proven to have more longevity with all their tours and like hooking up with new kids on the block. And um, they just had a new album come out in January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And AJ's hairline was already like receding. <laughs> 
so it you know it just primed them for this new renaissance they've been having for the past few years yeah in sync everyone tends to have like they're having their own separate thing like justin just blew up lance is i think more famous than like the rest of them now. JC had his little like gauge, yeah. like his little moment when like the judge on shows. Joey Fatone has his hot dog business. Oh wow! Yeah, they're called Fat Ones because it's Joey Fatone, so it's Fat Ones hot dogs. <laughs> I'm learning so much. About- <laughs> the, the reason that I asked that I asked about this and like trying to find the intersection yeah. between <laughs> your being a, a poor black girl and, <laughs> and, and, and your white people music yeah. is um, NSYNC did a song with country band Alabama. I did not know that. God must have spent a little more time on <gasps> oh, you. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. I wasn't sure if you remembered that song yes. or that kind of. I remember that. Yes, I remember that song. Oh my god, my Spotify algorithm is about to be fucked up. <laughs> my like Spotify, y'all. So I listened to the songs that we're going to discuss today this morning. I'm gonna listen to that song on the way back to my apartment. And right now, Spotify is currently suggesting to me like all these trap songs, but they're not good trap songs. Oh, okay. They're just like we're banging, we're dope. I got no money in my pocket. And I'm like, well, wait a second. <laughs> Hold up. You got to have something. And it's just, and with grunge. Yeah, my um, Spotify is like, who is this person? Yeah. Mm. My, my Spotify is pretty all over the place, too. Well, and I'm sorry. I We have talked about this way too much already on previous episodes. But since you mentioned Trap, have you listened to the Old Town Road song that has Billy Ray Cyrus on it? Let me <laughs> tell you. Okay, please do. Okay, I don't know how. Okay, I'm sorry. I know it's not 90s, but well, we've we already, go on. We've, we yeah, go on we go on plenty of tangents. Don't right you worry. So when I first heard about Lil Nas X, also uh, he is killing the festival season with this one song that is yeah. less than three yeah. minutes. Killing, Get that money. Killing the festival season right now. Yeah. So when I first heard about it, I was like, okay, whatever. Like, a new, like, musical controversy. And then I was like, I was, when I heard, all first thing I heard was this person makes a song that's on the country billboard charts, mm-hmm. but it got taken off because mm-hmm. we're not being country enough. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then one day I actually listened to the song and I was like, wait a second, racism. This is a country song. <laughs> he is a cowboy who just want to ride his horse, <laughs> he's cheating on his woman, and he is done with the fancy things, and he just wants a simpler life. How the hell is this not a country it song? It is a country song. Also, little white kids love this joint. What the fuck? <laughs> Ramsey has been all over this shit. White kids love this song. I'm like, wow, is this not? So, Billy Ray, like, he, and honestly, to me, I don't think he gained that much from being on the country billboard charts, but he did gain a lot from getting kicked out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, the song was kind of going viral with kids, like, using the TikTok app or whatever, but I don't think that it probably would have gone as mainstream as it has yes. if not for that billboard well, controversy. it was out for, like, a few months mm-hmm. before that even happened. Yeah, like I he, think, like, three months. It, like, well, I think he released it back in December. Yeah, yeah. And... I feel like it just blew up so fast. Like, we talked about it leading up to the episode we did with Joe from Ipso, like, during the week. I think it happened, like, Wednesday or Thursday. I kicked off the charts. And then we talked about it on an episode, and we were, like, waiting to put it out. 
it was like it blew the fuck up. It was everywhere. It's like, oh, this little thing that no one's really talking about yet. Then all of a sudden, and then like Billy Ray hopped on it, like really soon after that, like so fast. I fucking love how he sings on this, <laughs> right? <laughs> also, have y'all already discussed the song credits? So, oh, so who is it? Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails. This is Nine Inch Nails banjo. First, is yeah. that their first number one? Yeah, first number one. <laughs> Trent Reznor is making so much money off this. That's so crazy. I also love Nine Inch Nails. Like, they're my favorite band. And when I found out they had the credit, I was like, how the hell did they have this credit? And then I listened to the song, it samples it. I was like, oh, they- this is the same song. But yeah. This, this is genius. Like, whatever Dutch producer. Also, Lil Nas X just met the Dutch producer in person. For like, uh, yeah, for the first time. That's so crazy. Like, this kid, I hope I hope he becomes a millionaire off this song and right. has a flourishing career because it's genius. How or even if he doesn't have a flourishing career, just take that money right now yeah. and live a good life. Him in these crazy suits he's performing in with his cowboy boots <laughs> and he's out here just doing a little d- It's great. Congratulations, kid. <laughs> I, I will say, like, Billy Ray Cyrus's Instagram has been great to follow since this happens. Oh, yeah. Because he just, like, is all up on the memes and all this shit. Like, it's so good. But then it took He's me this long cool to find it. He posted with the caption on my way home from the gig. I don't know where he was. It wasn't location tagged. But basically, there was this big billboard that said, congratulations, Billy Ray Cyrus, number one, billboard Hot 100, all the stuff in Old Town Road. If it does mention Lil Nas X, it's not very large. And so he has a not a cardboard, like a poster board sign next to it that said, I will not have the sign without Lil Nas X and Keo. Is that Keo's a producer? Uh-huh. Like said. And it's like standing next to it and got, you know, 30 some thousand likes wow. on that, which I feel like every time I've seen him post, has either been like really tongue in cheek or like really appreciative of Lil Nas X? Because like really, his, his song is just like, okay, cool, let me throw Billy Ray Cyrus on this to keep that like buzz going yeah. and to like give it a little bit more like country cred, I guess. But at that point, I don't think he even really needed that. It's been like, I wasn't sure how his role kind of fit in there, but it seems like he's just been like, this is awesome, whatever. Like, I'm glad I got to be on this. And Billy Ray Cyrus has been a huge advocate for Lil Nas X and his music yeah. and stuff. Yeah, which has been really cool to see. Yeah. I wonder how, do you know how he got involved? Like, was one of his kids like dad? So, I don't know. So, one of the interviews that I think I saw, and I think, or something that he posted on his Instagram, said that he heard the song somehow. I mean, probably the same way that anybody else did. And that he heard about the controversy, and he listened to the song, and he was like, he, he said the same thing as you. Like, I heard this song, and I'm thinking, this is a fucking country song. Mm-hmm. And he also told a story about how, like, the town that he grew up in had a road called Old Town oh. Road, or that there was something yeah. close by. It was called. Destiny. And it was Destiny, so he had to do it. And so I think whenever all of those things kind of aligned, I think he reached out and was like, hey, let me drop a verse. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, and I saw something when I was looking for that Instagram post that by the beginning of April, it had received enough plays that if it had not been kicked off of the country charts, it would have been number one yeah. at that point. But 
I guess like I didn't really think about too much at the time. You know, Billy Ray was also coming from this background, like things like Achy Breaky Heart, where he was getting kind of shit on by. Yeah, this is kind of a corny sounding, not not real country. Yeah, apparently he sent Lil Nas X a message on Twitter that basically, like, when he got kicked off the charts, I don't know what song he's talking about when he got kicked off the charts. Waylon Jennings said, "You should take that as a compliment. You're like, you know." an outlaw you're doing something good that's like kind of rocking the boat so i think that twitter message is kind of like what spurred Mm -hmm. the crazy part of me is how did he end up seeing that because i'm sure he was getting a hundred yeah yeah so many twitter messages like i'm sure somebody like texted him was like dude fucking billy ray cyrus (laughs) just tweeted at you (laughs) and like the thing is these kids now that love the song they're gonna be 30 years old and having a cookout at their house and then you're just gonna hear I got the horses in the back and everyone's gonna be like oh, oh shit <laughs> like this is the new like cakewalk music <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> some idiot like Spencer and I is gonna have a podcast about this <laughs> in 30 years so I hope that they reference all of the good discussions that we've had on our podcast Rachel there's no idiots like you we're special idiots Special idiots? No, no idiots will be like us. Don't worry about it. <laughs> We're one of a kind. I have no transition, uh, which is sad because I'm usually pretty good at transitions, but do we want Oh, wait. To- are, oh, we're not transitioning Winona. I almost had one. Oh, okay. Well, do, do we need a transition to Winona? We can transition to whatever you want to. Do you Okay, we'll just transition? totally leave this leave this in so people know we just okay, did that. Okay, you're just pulling so, shit out of our ass. Yeah. Um, oh. So this relates to Lil Nas X. Billy Ray tweeted something. Uh, the other day that had three horses and it was like a reddish one, a black one, a white one and so like tonight, Old Town Road, whatever and then Vinyl Ranch, the Instagram account, like screenshot and said oh shit, y'all added Reba for the red horse (laughs) (laughs) so speaking of redheads (laughs) Winona I finally did one I did it, it. special kind of idiot so Britt, this is your song that you chose Mm -hmm. uh, Winona Judd's No One Else on Earth and Mm. What drove you to pick this one? Okay, listeners, stay with me. (laughs) There is a television program entitled RuPaul's Drag Race. And the goal of RuPaul's Drag Race is to search for America's next drag superstar. It's like (laughs) America's next top model, but drag queens. Yes. And if you haven't listened to it, like, oh, I haven't listened to it, watched it. Are y'all familiar with RuPaul's Drag Race? Mm-hmm. I am. I've seen a little bit, but not a ton. Okay. All right. So it's everything I live for and more. So RuPaul's um, Drag Race show is, you know, they have challenges. Much like, it's like a combination of Project One Way and America's Next Top Model. Mm-hmm. The elimination is a segment entitled Lip Sync for Your Life. Right where two queens who have ended up in the bottom two have to lip sync and if they impress Rue because ultimately the decision is hers Mm -hmm. they get to stay and Mm -hmm. she goes so and so Shantae you stay and the other person has to sashay away Okay. So don't fuck it up. Is that what she says? Yes. <laughs> it is, she goes, it's time to lip sync for your life. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love RuPaul. Like, and she said, oh my God, how do I, how do I forget it? I, I hear it every week. And don't, it, and don't fuck it up. And seven years ago, as a 20-year-old Brit, two queens... <laughs> 
had to lip sync to no one else on earth. And I don't know, like, I rewatched this lip sync today. It's Latrice Royale, who is my favorite drag race queen, and Chad Michaels. Latrice is a big girl, she's a plus size queen veteran. She does great soulful numbers. Like, if you w- want to watch a uh, Latrice Royale lip sync, there's one where she does You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. Oh, yeah. And in that challenge, they had to be pregnant women. So she's this man, like, lip syncing, and she's pregnant, and she's, like, cradling her baby, and it brings tears to, like, everybody because she's, like, singing to her her baby. (laughs) Whatever, like, foam belly she has, and you're totally in the moment, and it's, it's iconic. So country songs tend to send the black girls home. And I, I, like, I... It's happened a couple of times. Latrice goes home on this lip sync. Like, she says, I've never done a country song before, but I'm going to do it the Latrice way. And this song, mm-hmm. Patti LaBelle could have said, like, this... Yeah. It's got some soul to it. It's so funky and so yeah. soulful. And so she does what's called like a parking bark where she's just kind of grooving. But Chad Michaels is like playing this air guitar and she's like spinning around. And, you know, there's some producer editing and shit. So Latrice goes home. But this song, I think also to me, is important in Latrice's career because when she leaves, she gives this speech which says, like, talks to Rue, and she goes, you have changed drag forever. You have changed my life forever. And everyone loves Latrice. So when she goes home, they know, like, okay, your career is starting, mm-hmm. and she gets to the back of the stage, and she has started this tradition of queens that when they leave, before they walk away, they turn around, and they give, like, this farewell speech, and she's like, I am large and in charge. Chunky, yet funky. <laughs> I am Latrice Royale. It like leaves and everyone's crying and everyone's cheering. And how many episodes? How many? She's been on some All Star seasons. Two All Star. Two of them. Okay, yeah. And also, Winona is a judge, so they're lip syncing to Winona song oh, wow. in front of her. I did not know that. Winona was a great judge. One of the critiques she gave to one of the girls, she said to I think to about Fifi O'Hara, who was the villain of the season. She goes, "The blessing is she's fierce." The burden is she's fierce. <laughs> I'm like, why no that? <laughs> why is this the only time that <laughs> you're on the show? A Winona song sent home another queen in season two. It was a country challenge. And it was No One's Gonna Love You or something. Like I think it was No One's Gonna Love You, if that's a song of hers. I don't know Winona songs super well. I had to go dig into her career some more last night because I'm getting a book, Rachel, mm-hmm. that's uh, talking about Garth Brooks and Winona and Wade Hayes, an interesting trio, and kind of their rise at different levels in Nashville. But I was reading the transcript last night for the Cocaine and Rhinestones podcast about her. She had such a fucked up life. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I know that's like the thing, but I've never really like, it's like, oh, yeah, she had a fucked up life. Like, that's kind of all I knew, but I didn't know all the details of it. You know, and you talk about this not really being a country song, and it wasn't. And one of the things I read about in the Cocaine and Rhinestones podcast was like, when she went solo, like the first couple singles they put out, both went number one, and they were like, kind of like the Judd's. Mm-hmm. Minus her mom, mm-hmm. but like the same style, more or less. The second one was like a little bit more electric. And then they put out this, which they, I think they put on the B side to the second single first to kind of see 
people would like flip out and they didn't. Um, so this one hit number one, but then after that, she had like one more number one, I think like way later. So it was like the theory that the cocaine rhinestones guy kind of pitched was people bought this single and they were like, Oh wait, this is a country. And then they like stopped trusting that why no, was like a country artist. That's dumb. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, mm-hmm. but I can kind of see what he's saying, at least. Like, because when you go back and listen to this, I when we started putting songs on the list for this podcast to begin with, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that would be a country song. But like, I, in my head, never considered, like, oh, I mean, that's a country you, song. And, and we'll listen to a clip in a second. If you listen to it, like, the production definitely sounds more like adult contemporary like yeah, yeah. it has a lot of like it sounds sy- like early 90s pop with like does. synthesizers a big guitars like but to me it's Winona. so yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, the same yeah. thing it's like if reba mcintyre or dolly parton put out you know something that sounded like that yeah it's still country because they are yeah. country i think her vocals are a little bit more like in your face than mm-hmm. a lot of the judd stuff yeah that, that how could you get to me part like that's just like she like yells it basically yeah. like so i could see that too be like oh it's not like the reba country woman who's going to like sing out and loud but like not really like be in your face about it right. or anything like that like kind of offending the delicate sensibilities of country radio yeah that's so you want to listen to a clip since we're talking about it right now I guess that would make sense. Okay. <laughs> can make me want you anytime you want to. You're burning me alive. I can't deny you even when I catch you. Even though we Can you can make you. me want you anytime you want to. That's a good line. That's an amazing line. Yeah. That's going to go on my wedding vows. <laughs> oh, good. I love that. <laughs> I love wedding vows that are... Why uh, don't references? <laughs> any, like, non-traditional vow that's a reference to a music thing. Yeah. I think that's fun. Oh, yeah. My vow's going to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> Some 17th century poetry there. And and why not? Perfect. Um, One thing I don't know, so I I know nothing about Winona, like, until seven years ago. Yeah. Um, Was a lot of her career centered around her weight? Because I was reading her Wikipedia, and it said something about she went on Oprah and said that she, like, she was like, she kind of comes out as having a dependency on food. I'm like, don't we all depend on food? Yeah, so I think, so she's one of those that, like, started being a performer at a young age, and her mom is also a musician, and that's the judge that, like, what Spencer was talking about, and her mom is this kind of, like, skinny, pretty thing, and then her sister, Ashley Judd, is also, like, a skinny, pretty thing, and then Winona just had bad genes, and so she's... A fit girl and so I think it's one of those things that she struggled with throughout her life of being like quote the fat one like that's her mom and that's why Nona from like kind of the peak I guess but I mean a little bit after the peak probably in that picture like if you look at the editing like she's in all black you can't see Mm -hmm. her body it's like her mom looks younger than she does and that's what in the cocaine rhinestones they were saying like when they got introduced a lot of people didn't believe they were a mother daughter, like they were sisters, or say like which yeah. one's a mom, which one's a daughter. So I think 
combined with all the other fucked up stuff that happened in her life with like her dad who wasn't really her dad and like all these boyfriends her mom had rolling through and she probably needed a lot of therapy yeah so I think it was probably one of those things where she used know, she, food she, as a yeah, yeah 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 and then her mom probably threw that in her face a lot or you know other people probably mentioned that a lot so well you know listeners i'm a large woman <laughs> i am large and in charge chunky yeah funky and i you know like what regardless of like why she's the size she is she looks Great, yeah, and not great for a big girl. She just this woman is beautiful, like, right. and has always been. Yeah. So when I look at my mom, I'm like, yes, girl, yes, like live your life. Also, amazing voice, mm-hmm. definitely a diva. Was she on that VH1 divas? Oh, I don't know. She should have been. She should have been because yeah. uh, this song powerful. I'm playing at my wedding. So you're gonna play it at the wedding and cite it. In this your... is my. Yes. This is the song I dance this to. She's song. gonna call this back. She's gonna call back to the vows. Yeah. With playing this. And you thought it was not a Winona thing wedding. <laughs> <laughs> wrong think again <laughs> well I I wanted to mention since you were talking about RuPaul's Drag Race and I think it's funny that you asked if Spencer and I knew about it. I don't know about our listeners but we are big Casey Musgraves fans here oh, on this honey. podcast and so you know she she was on an episode yes. of RuPaul's Drag Race as a judge and then she had the two queens that tied the last all-star oh um, um Trinity and Monet exchange. Yes, Trinity the Tuck and Monet. But a lot of people got upset because Casey Musgraves had a show, a performance, the night of the finals, whenever they Mm -hmm. crowned the queens. And she brought them out on stage and introduced them as the newest winners. And there were people that were at Casey's show <gasps> that were, like, recording it to go oh. home and watch later. And they got upset because she spoiled it. But it's but also, like, if at you, the same time, it's like, but also, that's the, the queens are on stage. Yeah, that's yes. the this is so amazing. best way to get spoiled. Like, wouldn't yes. that be better than watching oh, on the website? Yes. Like, here's the reveal at a yes. Casey Musgrave show. Exactly. And they, like, came out. I think they came out and sang High Horse with her or, like, danced. Yeah a high horse with her so but I, I think it was like a half grumble of like oh spoiler well, but also that was awesome yeah, I would hope <laughs> so. yeah like for one thing the last episode of RuPaul's Drag Race does not reveal any new information like the gag was that it was two winners so I guess like revealing that but like you said the two people are right there in front of your face yeah. but by the time you get to the finale you already probably know who's gonna win also her guest spot on RuPaul's Drag Race was iconic because she gave the look there have been times where guest judges have come on and didn't really dress up or like you could tell their manager just said do this you'll gain fans whatever just do it you'll get paid yeah and there are some times where people wore a onesie Megan Trainer. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't get it some people live for it some people were like girl you know where you are but I think Casey came on and after that except for Joel McHale who was a butt and I don't know <laughs> like he was he, he was he was doing a bit uh-huh. as a judge right and it was bothering Michelle Visage and I don't know if he was just being a jerk or if he was doing a bit because he just kept shouting like he was in a club and he wasn't I don't know anyway my point with Casey is that she 
had this big hair mm-hmm. and she had a whip or like a lasso and she got into it yeah. like you could tell that she was actually a fan of RuPaul's mm-hmm. Drag Race it wasn't just something that her manager called her and yeah. told her like she I, I wouldn't be surprised if she called RuPaul like hey let me let me be on an episode yeah she so she, after that a lot more judges came with looks like regardless of their gender looks mm-hmm. and I really appreciate her for doing that yeah I feel like I mean we've talked about this before like one of the things I love about her is she just seems very genuine she's doing stuff that she, she wants, wants to, to do, do. Yeah. it's not like oh let me like promote my album by being on this it's like oh this is what I want to do and if I'm going to be on that show this is what I'm going to I don't give yeah. a fuck what anyone thinks about it I'm just going to do it and that's awesome yeah I want to do a deep dive of all of the dance off songs to see how many more country ones they are okay great that would be fun oh my god we'll have you back on another episode and we'll talk about another song that people dance for their life to so in terms of this song i couldn't find out a lot about the story behind the song or the songwriting process or anything i watched a couple videos uh jill colucci was one of the songwriters Mm -hmm. where she like played it live but she didn't really intro other than just like i'm glad that this was a hit kind of thing so for as big of a song as this was i'm really surprised i couldn't find out more about that but she has like an interesting I don't know backstory is not what I'm looking for but do you all look up her Wikipedia yes yes oh no no so she sang the scores in Mystic Pizza the 80s movie she sang the theme song for America's Funniest Home Videos she yes (laughs) she sang like some other TV theme stuff like a Toyota commercial theme song she also wrote any more by Travis Tritt and some other country songs that were hits so she's had like kind of an all over the place career yeah she was in some commercials for Apple in like the 80s and the other songwriters none of them are like super prominent super well known well they don't have Wikipedia pages for themselves you you can go if you search their names they have like the category pages like songs written by mm-hmm. them which is how I found out that Sam Lorber uh, he wrote Dare Me the Pointer Sister song that was also a number one like a dance song mm-hmm. but most of them were kind of he and Stuart Harris the other co-writer nothing really this big and it wasn't like they were like cranking out a ton of country hits and this was just one but I guess it kind of makes sense this isn't really like a typical country hit sounding song did a big Whitney album come out in 92 like I'm thinking like like this was like like early 90s is the era of like big voices yeah 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 Mm -hmm. yeah like over the top yeah and this definitely fits that like if somebody came out today with this like covered it it did it really well I will always love you as 92 yeah Mm -hmm. So, there you go. Bodyguard was 92. Yeah. You got to compete with that. So, that makes sense. But I think that that also is just that era of music and that you are, you you were hearing, like, big female voice, Mm -hmm. like, the diva stuff. Like, this, I think that this is the era when, like, this idea of divas Mm -hmm. really emerged. I mean, and, and you have older, you have older folks that are divas, but, yeah, I don't know. I think that this period is just when it blew up. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, well, thank you guys. Good song. Good pick, Britt. Um, I'm going to fuck up the order again. 
because I think oh, we can transition to another pop crossover yeah, kind of hit. So my pick for this one, I can't believe we haven't done one of his songs yet, was John Michael M- Montgomery's I Can Love You Like That, which you may also remember as All For One's I Can Love You Like That, because they record that also two months later after they did the same thing with I Swear, two months after John Michael Montgomery <laughs> released it. So I guess I should correct it as saying they released it two months later. because but it was recorded before. Right. We watched a video together before this from like a year or so ago where they were talking about this process and basically John Michael Montgomery and All For One were both at the Grammys and talked about their next singles and then found out that they both recorded I Can Love song. You Like That again and so then all for one was kind of pegged as it's like why you keep recording country songs as your own well and i remember so i can love you like that came out in 90 john michael montgomery version came out in february of 95 and then like you said not long after that the all for one version came out so of course all for one is like a kind of Mm r&b we were talking earlier how it's three black guys and a token white guy (laughs) Big Tony. <laughs> Big Tony, the token white guy. And so I remember being in like middle school and the all for one version coming out and like all of my mostly black friends being like, oh, this song is so hot. And they were surprised that I already knew all the words. And they were like, oh, how do you know? And I'm like, this is a country song. And they were like, no, no, no. And I was like, yes, here, listen to this is the country song that I've been listening to. The same song is just a country version. And the same thing happened with I Swear where they were like how do you already know this song it just came out and I was like well go put it over on Whistle 100 and you can hear the John Michael Montgomery version so you definitely should have said I'm from the future (laughs) that is how I know all All these words words. I know what you're gonna have for breakfast tomorrow Stephanie (laughs) I I was confused because it wasn't like a cover song or a different version of the song that came out like a year or two later. Uh-huh. It was like they were on, they were both getting played at the same time. At the same time, they were so on the radio. At the I same remember, time. and you know, we didn't have the internet to look this kind of stuff up. I was just like, what the hell is going on? Like, they're definitely different versions. Yeah. Same song out of the exact same time, like you said. It was kind of like different circles of friends. Knew the versions. knew the different versions or like would listen to both, but it was just really confusing for me, especially when it happened the second time with this. With I swear, it was like, uh, what is going on here? Why are the why are these countries? Was John Michael Montgomery who I knew, and all for one who I think those were their two biggest, biggest. hits. Were mm-hmm. I can love you like that, and I swear I'm like, why are they doing the same songs? Are they just like? recording entire albums and just doing their own versions of it. Like, right. I don't get it. Man, what if All For One did a version of Grandy County Auction? That sounds so fucked up. That would be so great. Do you know that song? I do not know that song. It's, it would be um, terrible. It would be terrible, but hilarious. <laughs> well, um, that is the name of my book, After <laughs> That's the subtitle. But hilarious. <laughs> I remember John Michael Montgomery's version is like what they would play at the school dance, and that's what you you would be like slow dancing with your boy mm-hmm. too and your teacher would come and put a ruler in between you like it was that type of song you don't Whereas, need a brag over here some of us <laughs> aren't going to school dances <laughs> oh i'm sorry spencer that's all right me neither i was the one in the bleachers making fun of the people dancing i only went to junior prom and there was a pact that my friends and i were gonna do that there was a pact 
we were like, oh, we're just gonna go. We're gonna go all of Gardner before. We're gonna go laugh at everybody, ha ha ha, and then we're gonna go bowling. None of that happened. Oh, they because- danced with all the boys. Well, it was boys and girls both being like, yeah, we're yeah, we're fighting against this. We're not gonna. And then they discovered, oh, we can dance with each other and grind up on each other. And I'm like, yo, WTS. Yes. <laughs> I'm ready to go bowling. I got my shoes, bro. Come on. Oh, if this tells you anything about me, my entire school dance experience, I went to senior prom with the girl I was dating at the time, and we left after maybe 30 minutes because Mitch Hedberg was doing good nights that night. (gasps) So, yeah, which was obviously the decision to make. Yes. Yeah, like, all right, then we're like changing, going to Raleigh, seeing Mitch Hedberg, and it fucking ruled. So, high school dances are dumb. Mitch Hedberg was great. Listeners, pause. YouTube, chair, lunch, and dinner. And you will thank me. Chair, lunch, dinner, Mitch Hedberg. And then just go down the Mitch Hedberg rabbit hole because you need to listen to everything Everything. he's done. Even the stuff when he hasn't figured shit out and is making fun of himself because he hasn't figured shit out yet. Yes. Great comedian. That was, wow. That's an amazing prom experience. Yeah, it was. So beat that, Rachel. I was cool. Say, I'm glad I you probably was, went to prom like four years this, in a row. Cool I did. for you. I was the stereotypical cool girl that got to go to prom Gross. sophomore, junior, and senior year. Oh my god. I know, but none of them were ever with somebody that I was dating. It was all guys that I was just friends with, and then the guy that I went to senior prom with, it turned out he was gay. So, I mean, nothing happened there, but we all went to Waffle House afterwards. How was really great. How was not seeing Mitch Hedberg any of those times? Mm-hmm. I don't know, think I know who he was at that point in my That's life. That's unfortunate. I know. I was cool probably, on paper. Probably didn't make its way down to South Carolina. We were ahead of the game up here. Oh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> We were, we were on the cutting edge of the comedy game, <laughs> learning about Mitch Hedberg when we were in high school. No, we had, like, Jeff Foxworthy. We had him in North Carolina, too, right, Britt? I think I don't think that was exclusive to South Carolina. Hey, Britt, is that when... Did you listen to Jeff Foxworthy, and that's when you said... <laughs> well, let me tell you. Let me, let oh, me tell God. You. I am not going to lie. Comedy is a thing in my family, like... The Comic View was the comic show on BET. Mm-hmm. That was like the black comedy show yeah. plus Gary Owen. Yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. But also, I did watch all... What, what were they called? Blue Collar Comedy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loved. <laughs> I loved all of that. Like, that really did influence my... Yeah. have a comedy influence on me. Jeff Foxworthy was not my favorite. I think my favorite... Was Bill Ingvall for a while. Is Ron White yes. part of? Bl- he had the whiskey glass yes. like, always slurring. And his poly grip was doing work. Yeah. <laughs> like, great teeth. Fantastic teeth. I remember Ron White was my favorite out of that group of guys. Yeah, I didn't care for a lady the cable guy. But I did not know that was a character. I thought that was him. But it's not. Um. He's just some dude who was like, yeah, I'll be a, a dumb guy for a living and for make less. lots of money. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I loved all the blue. I watched all the blue collar comedy tours. I watched Jeff Foxworthy show, the Bill Ingvall show. I watched that, and that gave us Jennifer Lawrence. True. So yeah. you know, thanks, yeah. Bill. <laughs> I love blue collar. Now, when I watch it, I'll probably be like, "Oh, okay, yeah." I was oh yeah, I've, I've gone back and watched. Doesn't hold up well. Yeah, I know. I've gone back and watched a Ron White set from like you know ten years ago, yeah. and it's like, oh. Yeah. I, yeah, that that doesn't hold up. Yeah, but I, it probably was really inappropriate then, yeah. too. I just didn't know any better. Also, as a 13-year-old black girl, I don't know what the hell I was relating to with a wrong <laughs> white set. 
but I loved it. Well, in Rocky Mount, right? Like, I'm sure it's not like you didn't know what these people were like. Like, where is this coming from? You probably could think of somebody that you knew that was met all of his descriptions. Okay, that's a great tangent. Yeah. So, have you? Speaking of going back and revisiting things, (laughs) when I was like looking at and thinking about the lyrics of "I Can Love You Like That," it like it's pitched as like a love song, a romantic song, but there's a lot of like ifs it's like if you were my girl if you give me a chance and it's like is this dude trying to like force his way in on this is she like saying like no 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 and he's like just is it kind of could be creepy yes so i'm so so glad you brought this up okay because i went and looked at the lyrics of this and the next song and i had qualms about the lyrics okay this one i like we gotta stop and i know this song was like years ago but we gotta stop referencing romeo and juliet as a romantic thing yeah they They kill each other or they kill themselves it's (laughs) called the tragedy of romeo and juliet and not only do they die but a lot of other people died too yeah and they were children no like dude you don't want to be like Romeo and Juliet I know I don't no so yeah that was that was a qualm maybe maybe this is going to like high schoolers that never finished Romeo and Juliet didn't really know what happened they're like oh cool they're in love but they don't know like what else happened so and they say they read you Cinderella you hoped it would come true pause okay (laughs) no uh, abuse. Scrub. I don't want to my stepmother's <laughs> Yeah. Like, familial abuse there. <laughs> and when fairy tales first came out, they were horrific stories. Like, a lot of bad things happening. So, no, I don't want to be Cinderella. I got to wear shoes that don't fit, made out of glass. The, how are you wearing shoes made out of glass and you walking on cobblestones and shit? <laughs> you got shards in your feet. There were no emergency rooms. I'm in pain, Prince Charming. Pluck them out, baby. Bitch, like, pluck out the shards of glass in my feet. Please. What, and then one day your Prince Charming would come and rescue you. Prince Charming didn't do shit. Okay. He was just there. He was just there being pretty. <laughs> We're reading too too far into this. I know. Lyrics. But I know. none of it, like, it says, what's the line about Casanova? Yeah, I'm not I Casanova. swear I'm no Casanova. Or I'm no yeah. Casanova, but I swear this much is true. Yeah, so, like, why even... Casanova is basically, like, a player, right? Like, yes. you got... So why even bring that up? Well, I mean, you should be proud that you're not a Casanova. Yeah, but just leave that out. Like, I'm not... I'm no Casanova, but this is true. Like, okay, maybe don't reference, like, someone that's known for having many ladies. Like, just leave that out. Why you're trying to convince her to give you... A, the whole thing, to me, <laughs> is just very odd like it, it he's just like begging while also like making lots of promises well, so who, to who someone who hasn't really given him a chance apparently who wrote this jennifer kimball mary beth Derry, and steve diamond which none of them really right. had a yes. lot of other that i could find at least i'm sure i'm wrong but this was kind of like their one thing I could mm-hmm. find in terms of being like a big hit. I like the line like, you want tenderness? I got tenderness. Do I do you? like that part. Well, but I also, but that's also kind of like a bridge, so it sounds yeah. a little bit different. Yeah, it does. Do we want to listen to yeah, let's... a little bit? Okay. This is the John Michael Montgomery version. I'll drop the all for one version in our bonus uh, Neon Boots Spotify Ooh, playlist yes. for all the random ass songs. Yeah, that that's really going to fuck up your <laughs> algorithms. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's John Michael Montgomery. You want tenderness, I've got tenderness, and 
I see through to the heart of you. If you want a man, man who understands, you don't have to look very far. I can love you. I can, I can love you like that. I will make you my world, move heaven and earth. If you were my girl. So we've been watching the music video for this where John Michael Montgomery is like singing a song but he's at a wedding and Spencer you're very confused. I just don't understand the point in <laughs> the relationship where this song is set. If they're at a wedding she is his girl. She has given him a chance. But maybe this is a Garth Brooks wedding crashing situation. Yeah that's what I was thinking. Oh well, that's really fucked up then. Yeah, he's like, I'm I mean, here, babe. Maybe that's why he's like, I'm no Casanova. This dude you're marrying is a Casanova. Maybe I'm so. not. <laughs> I don't think they thought through it too much. Because, like, I'm pretty sure I've heard this. I don't know if I've heard it at wedding. I feel like this is a song that has been played at weddings. But I also feel like this is kind of like Boney Bear's Skinny Love. It's, like, not actually a song that you should be playing mm-hmm. at weddings. Oh, there's so many. do it anyway. Yeah. There's lots of fucked up songs that people are like, oh, on the surface, that sounds great. And I'm not thinking of any right now, but... Um, today by Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> people play that at weddings? No, but I, <laughs> I pitched it to my fiancé, and he goes, it's a song about someone about committing suicide. I was like, oh. <laughs> okay. All right. I can't do that. Yeah, like... I, I, <laughs> also, the I want to turn you on part would have been a little off the other way. I don't know what is going on in this song. I, I think it's like I, that. Like, if somebody did the video today, it would be like, I'm standing outside waiting. Like, mm-hmm. do, don't you really want me? Like, do you really want that guy? Or do you want to come live this simple life with me? Also, why are they always pitching a simple life? Well, and at the... I want Well, that's, that's definitely going on in, in, in Rachel's. But before we get into that, <laughs> like, at the end, he's, like, seeing at what looks like was the altar. John Michael Montgomery is once they've left. So maybe it is that way, but what the fuck? It's the only thing that makes sense. Are we... Sorry, that was a lot of tangents. Yeah, it Are was. Yeah, John I mean, the, the one thing I kind of forgot to mention when we brought this up in the first place, or I transitioned to in the first place, mm-hmm. is like a crossover kind of, was they tried to get John Michael Montgomery, we'll talk about I Swear, I'm sure, on another episode. They wanted him to make a crossover version of that once it started doing well on country radio. And he basically was like, he slash his producer, like, we don't want to piss off country radio. And that's apparently how All For One ended up doing their version because they wanted a crossover version, a more pop-friendly version out there. Mm -hmm. And he didn't want to, I guess, maybe in the same vein that Winona may or may not have done, like, offend people with his non-country tendencies because I guess lots of people were holding grudges about that in the 90s. Well, people are like getting it stuck in their ways. Yeah. So, you know, he still had obviously a really successful country career, but I would be interested in if he did kind of go in that direction too, or at least kind of have one foot in each camp, how it would have gone. But that was all I was thinking of. See, and I think that, I guess the thing that I like about both the, I swear in this song is the two versions are different enough. They're really distinct. Yeah. So I don't know that I would have... I don't know that he would have been able to pull off a crossover because... Uh -uh. It wouldn't have been as big. It still would have been too similar. Yeah. 
But I like I Can Love You Like That better than I swear. I personally thought I did. And then when I was listening to at least the all for one version this morning, I was like, oh, yeah, the I swear's better. Oh, I okay. Well, I, sorry. <laughs> but which one do I you think like better? I haven't heard his version of I Swear, but I do know the other version of I Swear. And again, I'm only actually really familiar with that song for two reasons. It would pop up on those, like, commercials for the CD compilations. Like, oh, yeah. Five thousand CDs with 500 songs on it for $19.99 a month. Yeah. And push it in the headwind. So that song was always on one of those. Like, you would hear that in the commercial. And also the movie Just Friends with Ron Reynolds. The main character, he's like this fat kid in high school and he can't get the girl his dreams. And like, he tries to serenade her with I swear. <laughs> so that's the other reason I know that song. song. Okay, so do you have a transition to my song? I do not, but we were just talking about Promising a Simple Life, yeah, right? Yeah, this, this one real simple. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> there you go, Rachel. <laughs> real real okay. simple. Um, so, uh, the song that I chose was <laughs> Shenandoah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Next I mean, to you, you're next not, to me. You're not wrong. No, I mean, the, the lyrics start riding down the road in my pickup truck. <laughs> Better get ready because I'm picking you up. <laughs> what a good, what a good. <laughs> I mean, that's a gentleman. As long as he like gets out of the truck and doesn't just like honk the horn at her, you know. I don't know. I don't know why I chose this song this week. It's I just, was interested in that. It's You're... a fun. So Spencer and I have like a list of quote all of the '90s country songs that we kind of just pop into our head. Well, so I originally chose Shenandoah, Two Dozen Roses, and then... Rule follower over rule here. Rule follower. I did not oh. actually confirm the year, and Spencer was like, that song came out in 89. Yeah, didn't you show something Brit? Wait, Brit is that picked the something? song that... Because I, I listened to that song. You listened to Two oh, Dozen Roses? I misread the text. Uh, well, so well this one is real simple, too. This one so. is real simple. Okay. So originally I chose Two Dozen Roses... And, yeah. And that's what it says if I had two dozen roses. And, and an old bottle of wine. And an old bottle of wine, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, wine ages. But when I, when I heard old bottle of wine, I'm thinking this one has been opened. And it's, uh, <laughs> left it's over. See, no, 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 no. I'm thinking like dust on the bottle, mm-hmm. good wine ages yeah. well. Yeah. No. So I'm sorry. No, Spencer pointed out that two dozen roses came out in 89, which I did not realize whenever I chose that. And this so, was after you didn't let Brit pick Family Rose by Loretta Lynn because you're like, oh, they came out in 2004. Yeah. That's and, way, I'm, way. and I'm a rule follower. And, and then so you didn't follow your own damn rules because i didn't i didn't look it up to be fair 2004 is that's like way out like if you had said a song from 89 and that was your favorite song i probably would have let it slide yeah yeah all right that's on the record now for anyone to know that i will let stuff slide yeah i have allowed some loopholes Oh, yeah, they've been legit loopholes, though. They've, yeah. But so, anyway, because I like to follow rules, I chose the different song, which is Next to You, Sit Next to Me. Oh, let me listen. I gotta listen okay. to it. Well, let's just start with, with listening to it. I'll tell you, one of the reasons that I love this song is in the final verse, there's this weird percussion noise. And I always remember it standing out so much on the radio versions. And then I was listening to the Spotify versions and I could not, it's like turned down or something, which makes me really sad. But (laughs) this is the song. 
Radio playing our favorite song. I'll change the station if the news comes on. When the signal ain't coming in too strong, we'll make our own music, honey, all night long. If the good Lord's winning when we're rolling gray, the kids are grown up and moved away. We'll be rocking this side by side with the barbecue chicken and the TV guy. Well, there ain't no places I'd rather be next to you, sitting next to me. No, there ain't no Okay, so that's the first time you ever heard that song, yes, Brett? Yeah. Okay, what did you think? Do you want to look at the lyrics? Yeah, let me look at the lyrics. This is a song, even though Britt didn't listen to it, that it I thought Sorry. she knew it really well no. because this is a song all about like all we need is each other, we'll live the a simple, simple life, life, all yeah. that stuff. But I think they're doing all right. I mean, he's talking about he needs money for gas and oil, so they've got that pickup truck, they're eating barbecue chicken, which is pretty damn good. It's not they're eating ramen and like craft easy but mac. But they're also not eating shrimp and well, caviar. No one, no one wants caviar. I think. But and then crazy. he's talking about like they got a TV guide, and so if you've got a TV guide, you've got more than like the seven channels that are coming in. So like Do they've got know cable. What TV guide is anymore? Do I mean, the children know what TV guide is? I don't think the kids know because <laughs> everything's on demand. But I have yeah, to yeah. buy the actual yeah. books. Before they were full magazines, they yeah. were little books. They were better. Well, they usually had an interesting story about somebody mm-hmm. in there. I will say this. So when he's pitching the scenario of we'll run out of gas and maybe get stuck, we can get lost, baby, I don't care. You care when it's happening. Well, but it's a definitely. romantic, like, it he's doesn't matter. Yes. Yeah, he's, refle- he's definitely reflecting. He's like, we've been through all these things, and if we survive, we're doing this, we're yeah. living. So I get, I get this. But also, I'm picturing myself running out of gas and getting lost with, with Oren, and I, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you would be stressed out in the moment. Unless you just embrace it, and you say, you know what, this is some cuddle time while we wait for AAA to come. <laughs> <laughs> he got triple A coming with his, with his full moon shining. Yes. <laughs> full moon shining. The triple A truck is on his way. So let's just sit here and cuddle up real quick. That's so, so sweet. So this one, even though I'm judging the lyrics of the song and the scenarios of the song too, apparently the writing team, Robert Ellis Oral and Curtis Wright, they wrote this during halftime of a Giants football game. Oh, I didn't see that. Is oh. what, so I saw this as a video from 2014 where Chris Curtis Wright, sorry, um, was playing at Aversboro Restaurant and Sports Bar in Garner, North Carolina. And people were running their fucking mouths when he's trying to tell the story of the song. But that's the story. He said they wrote three songs that day. This one they wrote during halftime, and they were done. So that's, they got a number one yeah. single. It was Shenandoah's longest lasting number one mm-hmm. from their... 1990 album Extra Mile so I would say getting that knocked out during halftime is pretty damn impressive I think that it's impressive so I also read up a little bit about the songwriters and Robert Ellis Oral also wrote songs for your boy Clay Walker well they both did they the- both did but Robert Ellis Oral also produced T. Swift's first oh, yeah. self-titled oh album. and he wrote some stuff for that for, he wrote yeah. Only Me When I'm With You which is a B-side but uh, mm-hmm. that's a good one mm-hmm. uh, A Place in This World and Invisible and Crazier, which I think was on something else. Yeah. He also wrote for Reba. Did you say Reba already? I had to. Lindsay Lohan. Yes. Martina McBride. All the redheads. He, in 82, he had a duet with Carlene Carter 
And then this was a thing that threw me for a loop because I feel like this is more in my world stuff I should know about right now. So Infinity Cat Records is a label in Nashville that has a bunch of like kind of garagey rock bands um, that are mostly in Nashville. And he formed that with his two sons, who are the two guys that are the main guys in the band called Jeff the Brotherhood. Which I totally oh. missed that. And they didn't they play hopscotch? Yeah, they played at like the first or at Slims. At Slims. One of the first few years. Yeah. And it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And not what I would imagine two guys whose dad yeah. wrote country songs. Yeah. So he also there's like a I guess I couldn't really call him a fake band, but not really a serious band on that label called Monkey Bowl and he plays as Bob something sings as Bob something yeah, in that. Yeah, he has like a character. Yeah. And so he wrote a song about Al Gore called Al Gore because Al Gore moved to Tennessee and lives on the same road as him oh. after losing the election. So the song is basically like, how bummed out would you be if you won the popular vote but lost the election? Now you're just like living on some road in Tennessee. <laughs> and then I listened this morning to, uh, I guess it's a podcast. He met Al Gore because of that. Like someone sent the song. He and Al and Tipper and Robert's wife are all like friends now and they came over to like a dinner party and then <laughs> Al Gore recorded vocals on the song. Not like singing, but just oh kind of like, get over it. Robert is okay. I lost, you know, that kind of stuff. So like... He has a very... That's interesting. I feel like all these people are like country songwriters. We just skimmed over a lot earlier. But there's so many like interesting, weird-ass careers. Yeah. That's not just like, oh, yeah, I wrote a bunch of country songs. Like, oh, also I met Al Gore. And, and we're BFFs now. Had them over at a dinner party. And Tipper was playing the drums and probably trying to like censor the material that was coming yeah. out. Like, That's so funny. Well, yeah. then the other songwriter, Curtis Wright, was actually... He did uh, a bunch of shit. He did a bunch of stuff, but he became the lead singer of Shenandoah for a few years so the lead singer that's on this song and that is kind of like the person that you think of he was in the band until 97 and then he left the band in 97 and recorded an album with his brother as the Raybon Brothers where they had marginal success oh with a cover of that awful song Butterfly Kisses oh my gosh oh yeah there's a good song for you to dance to at your wedding (laughs) if you want everyone to hate you. If you want everybody to hate you. I mean, you were worried about, like, having numbers of too many people at your wedding. That's a good way to be like, our first dance is going to be butterfly kisses. Just announce it ahead of time. If you invited me, I'd be like, fuck, Brad, I'm not going to that wedding. (laughs) Just show up kind of late. (laughs) Like, it's it's after the first dance. We're good now. You know he was in Reba's band, too, for a little bit. The Raybon? No, Curtis Wright, sorry. Curtis Wright, yeah. Marty, Marty Raybon was the original lead singer. Yeah. Have y'all discussed Reba's show? Yes. Oh, yeah. I loved that show growing up. That theme song is a banger. I can't place I it can't right now. I can't think of it in my like, head. It's a really great Okay. Team. I don't remember the Reba show ever coming on. I just remember, like, turning on the TV and saw And it being on. Like, it, always. She was real good. That I love that show. The See, here's, was a another, here's another fan. I'm not judging. Well, no. So we, like, we, it's been brought up on a few episodes, and it's yeah. one of those things of who actually has watched this show. Yeah, I remember it, because I remember the goofy baby daddy. Uh-huh. And the daughter that's pregnant. Yeah. And the, was the dad there? Like, her, her husband? Oh, was she married? Re- Re- she Re- was not. She no. wasn't married. But yeah. there was another kid, though, right? I think, yeah. Yeah. We'll need to go back and watch that. But yeah, so, I mean, 
I like this song just because it's upbeat and it's fun. Mm-hmm. After this album came out, they won the Academy of Country Music's Vocal Group of the Year. Oh. And another thing is, so this album was the one that like they got really popular to. So popular that people started to sue them. <gasps> so like three other bands sued them over the name. What? And they ended up having to like settle and stuff so that they could keep the Shenandoah name. They spent like two million bucks. They went bankrupt because they asked the label to like help them with the legal expenses and the label was like, nah, fuck y'all. And so they had to do it all themselves. And then they ended up leaving the label. So they were on Columbia Nashville at that time. And because they were so shitty about this name and lawsuits and stuff, Shenandoah left and they were the last country band that was on that label yeah and to be able to keep the label afloat the head guy like made up some just threw some people just together threw basically. some people together and was like okay this is a new band oh for our God. label just to be able to keep the label going so like they screwed Shenandoah over by not supporting them but then Shenandoah was like all right well yeah you're not gonna make money off of bye them. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they they went. I mean, that was like kind of I, I would say the prime of their career, and they went bankrupt yeah. just trying to defend having that name. They didn't want to just change it. I mean, at that point in time, I mean, they had number, number one hits, and oh. so I mean, I think that if it had been earlier in their career, yeah, yeah, yeah. they yeah. they might have. But so since they had already been on the charts and stuff you can't just change your name so it wasn't like a santo gold santo gold situation you know like it's a there's a indie artist like she came out as santo gold yeah yes and like some i don't i don't know it's like some unknown band like tried to sue her so she just literally changed a letter yeah Yeah. issue santo well so we we were talking (laughs) before we started recording spencer and i were kind of debating about how you pronounce Shenandoah and I pronounce it very much as Shen and Shenandoah and Spencer says Shan so maybe they should have they just should changed just, the letter and made it S-H-A-N instead of S-H-E-N yeah they were Shenandoah and that's it and then people think it's a female vocalist and they would be really thrown off Shenandoah well and they're still touring so Marty Raybon the original lead singer is back with the band and they're still touring and they'll be close by in October but yeah, you mentioned the nomination. The two songwriters, they made a duo and recorded exactly one album because they lasted as less than a year together as a duo. But they were still nominated as duo of the year for that like one year in existence, which was pretty... The Raybon Brothers? No, no, no. Uh, the songwriters. Oh, Robert, the songwriters. Robert and Curtis, who you keep not mentioning that they wrote What's It To You, the Clay Walker song. That's the one they wrote. You just don't want to talk about Clay Walker beyond mentioning I his name. S- you're you right. said it, but you won't talk it, about how talk glorious about. his songs are. No, I hate this. Um, <laughs> I don't like his songs. They're too close to like adult contemporary music. Ugh. But then Curtis Wright, we were talking last night about Ronnie Millsap. He wrote a Ronnie Millsap song, A Woman in Love, which is 89, so we can't do that one. No. And Daryl Singletary, R.I.P.'s Too Much Fun. So he did those two also. I he did know. a lot of stuff. I think I like this song the best out of all of those that you just listed. Well, that's because you hate Clay Walker. Uh, no, I know. I know. But no, three good songs this this episode. Yeah. Don't listen to the Rascals Flats version of this. Oh, God, no. It's They awful. covered it. It's real bad. They said the first song they ever sang together was a Shenandoah song, so they should have just never, just done, anything. never done anything else, like mm-hmm. been a shitty cover band. But yeah. just, just in case you are looking this up and you find that version. Don't just, listen. And I'm not even going to put it in the freaking uh, bonus playlist because it's so bad. Good. 
I actually have that written down. Rascal Flats covered it, and it is awful. That's what I have in my notes. <laughs> notes. Remember that it was bad. In case you get confused and think it was good, it was bad. It is really bad. Well, very good. So, Brett, you host a lot of comedy stuff. Where can we find you? You can find me at the Pinhook, where I host a lot of things um, in Durham. I host Lady Bits the first Saturday of the month. It is a uh, female-identifying open mic, all-female-identifying open mic. It's where I met Rachel. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty legit hosting that first Saturdays first Friday Eyes Up Here has the Neptune Showcase hosted by Aaron Terry and you can just catch me on the internet and yeah 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 all the Eyes Up Here stuff mm-hmm. and I will I've said this on, on Aaron's episode as well but the Lady Bets open mic if anybody has ever told you that you were funny mm-hmm. and you've thought about doing comedy it's such a great environment because Britt is so supportive as a host oh. Oh. all of the other comedians are really supportive and there's like a built in audience that mm-hmm. comes to these yeah. every month and they're also really supportive and they will laugh at you even if it's kind of forced yes. but they'll laugh <laughs> They'll they laugh at laugh. you to be supportive, and and yes. I've never seen anybody get heckled at a lady bits. And if they did, that person was promptly removed and yes, it's stabbed once on a weird yeah. It's happened one time. Yeah, like, but I think the guy was on substances. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, I think I was at that show. It was a Saturday show at three p.m. because we had to move something around. Uh-huh. And it was just a weird situation. But the what was a one one time and one this time. show and has been running for, for like three years. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's a it's a safe place to try comedy <laughs> yeah. if you're femme identifying. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Fred. Thank y'all. Well, thanks for being on Good here. luck with your uh, Spotify playlist. I hope you don't fuck up your algorithms too bad. That's the other. I was about to say that's the other <laughs> subtitle for your book. My algorithms are the principal story. <laughs> well, thanks so much for listening to this episode, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, Bye. mom. Bye. All oh, your mama listens. Get over all that stuff. Hey, this is a great neighborhood.